Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti. My guest this evening is DEEP Commissioner Katie Dykes. Commissioner Dykes, welcome. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm well. It's great to be with you, Pete. Well, thanks for, thanks for stopping down. Thanks for stopping down. Commissioner Dykes, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I am really privileged to get to serve uh, in the Lamont administration and head up the best agency on the planet uh, because our mission is to protect the planet. Um, as an emerged agency, we cover everything from helping to uh, get offshore wind uh, projects built to helping to provide for um, excellent uh, opportunities for people to get outside and enjoy over 120 different parks across our state. Um, we do everything in between uh, clean energy, protecting the environment, um, supporting natural resources, and uh, of course, outdoor recreation. And it's just the best mission ever. And I'm so privileged to get to uh, be a part of, of serving the team and, and serving that, the people of Connecticut. How long have you been commissioner? I have been commissioner since, uh, uh, let's see, it's almost coming up on two years. Right. <laughs> Although I feel like this last year, we get, it feels like, you know, three years, right? The last year doesn't count. <laughs> it's, yeah, in COVID years, <laughs> I think it's more like 10. But, exactly. Um, but two years officially, and, uh, and, and, I'm, and it's about, um, I've served in the state of Connecticut uh, in various roles since 2012. And then prior to that, I was... Uh, uh, part of the Obama administration uh, for, for two and a half years working on um, energy and environmental policy down in Washington. And, um, but I went to school uh, at Yale um, in New Haven. I've spent more of my life in Connecticut than anywhere else. I love the state. Um, it's a great place to, to live and raise family. I've got three little kids and you may hear a little background noise. Uh, That's okay. Apologize for that in advance. That's okay. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so it's uh, so you and I have a mutual friend. I understand that we do. I we do, and that would be Eric Hammerling from the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. <laughs> well, I am a super fan of Eric Hammerling's, and for folks who may not be familiar with Eric and with the tremendous work of the um, Connecticut Forest and Parks Association, they are like our guardian angels. Um, they provide so much support and um, uh, in so many different ways for all the great outdoor recreation um uh the special places around the state that that we have for folks to get out and enjoy nature and uh support the blue trails and lots of hiking yeah. opportunities all around the state and and they help to um you know engage communities and legislators to talk about the importance of outdoor recreation um for our state and for families in our state and um but eric is a really special special person and uh and uh i love working with him <laughs> oh, a really good, eric's a really good guy as as my director back at the studio, Chris Morgan, can attest, Eric's a regular with us. Oh, that's great. That's great. Eric's a, Eric's a regular with us. So, Commissioner, I was wondering if we can talk about the solid waste crisis. Yes. Well, I hate to be the purveyor of doom and gloom, but, uh, you know, okay. folks... <laughs> because I know we're feeling a little crisis fatigue lately with, with uh, coronavirus and everything. But, Absolutely. you know... Um, Pete, I think it's so important for the people of Connecticut to know um, what's going on. I mean, when when you wheel your you know your trash uh, bin out to the corner, you know, or out to the sidewalk every uh, every week, or or drop off at the transfer station, 
you know, it may seem like everything is just sort of normal. Um, right. Status quo is what we always do. But, but in reality, um, a lot of mayors and first left and a lot of communities around the state are facing a real crunch because mm -hmm. many of the places that we have um, uh, relied on for disposing of our municipal solid waste for the last couple of decades are becoming unavailable. And we have, you know, uh, you know, about like three decades ago, uh, folks came together to help build a lot of uh, waste energy facilities in the state um, as a way to uh, have an alternative for disposal so we could close a lot of landfills, municipal landfills that were around the state. Um, and those waste energy facilities, many of them are aging and they need some um, uh, investment and refurbishment. Here's one of my coworkers right now. Oh my goodness. Nah, so you're sorry. good, you're good. That's fine. Just one moment. I'm so sorry. Sure. No problem. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. Uh, it's, it, this is the life in, the, in a pandemic. Uh, with yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Totally understand. Yes, it's bring your child to work day every day. Um, <laughs> But in any case, so a lot of those waste energy facilities have um, are aging, and it's and they're the cost of operating them is increasing, and that means that the cost of sending our waste to those facilities is increasing. That's what towns have to pay, um, and at the, and so um, we also see facilities like the Mira facility in Hartford, another waste energy facility. You probably see it if you drive up I ninety one, you know. That uh, facility is, is, is kind of emblematic of this problem. They're really struggling with a lot of the, the operating costs, the aging infrastructure. And if that facility shuts down, um, it was handling about 35% of the waste uh, in Connecticut. Uh, so where is all that waste gonna go? Well, some municipalities are choosing to send it to landfills that are located outside of Connecticut. Um, but the space that's available in those landfills, they're starting to fill up and we expect about 40% of the landfills in the Northeast are going to close um, or become available by 2026. And so the amount of landfilling that we've done over the last couple of years, like in 2013, the state exported about 63,000 tons per year. Now in 2018, it, it crept up to 300,000 tons per year. Um, so landfilling is becoming kind of an alternative but it's not sustainable, either economically or environmentally. And so um, if we don't do something about this now, this is gonna be a real challenge for municipalities in trying to balance their budgets and taxpayers could feel the pinch because disposal costs are gonna increase. So that's the bad news. Okay. Would you like to hear the good news? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the good news is um, by coming together and kind of acknowledging this crisis, uh, we still have time to plan and try to really scale up more sustainable ways of managing our waste, uh, okay. which will be better for the environment and better for all of our pocketbooks. And, it, you know, uh, Pete, it's really interesting. So we do um, something called a waste characterization study, uh, which is really interesting. It's basically a, a scientific study where we dig through the trash and kind of look okay. at what is everybody throwing away, right? What's in the trash stream? <laughs> Well, exactly. you would be surprised to know that about 30, 40% of what an average residential household uh, throws away each year uh, mm -hmm. is stuff that could be recycled, paper, metal, glass, things of that nature. So if we can really increase and improve our recycling systems in the state, we can right. automatically take care of 40% of the trash. Another 20% or so 
um, is food scraps. And this is something that's really interesting. We've seen a lot of real interest in this. Food scraps are incredibly valuable. This is not garbage. This is material that we can compost and turn mm -hmm. into, you know, um, wonderful uh, soil amendments and, and, and things that contribute to nature. And we have a lot of um, interest in composting facilities and anaerobic digestion facilities. All we have to do is get programs in place to be able to collect the food scraps and take them um, to places where they can be repurposed into soil. Um, so that's another 20% of the, of the waste stream, um, plus another 15% or so that's yard waste that's getting thrown in the trash. Again, we can compost that. So there are much uh, many um, uh, solutions that are available out there. They're proven. Lots of jurisdictions are using them already and they can grow jobs here in the state. Um, if we can invest in recycling and organics uh, collection programs um, and things that can pull that valuable material out of the waste stream and minimize the amount of waste that we are gonna be landfilling or disposing of in waste energy facilities. So that's what we're working on together with 74 right. towns across the state. Nice, you guys are a very, very busy organization. Oh, we are. <laughs> Busy agency. Let's see what else. How about the social and economic benefits and record use of the outdoor recreation resources? Yes. So, Pete, this is one of the best news stories of this pandemic, to be honest. I mean, right. I get emotional kind of talking about it. Um, back in March, when mm -hmm. you know the shutdown was starting, uh, the stay at home, stay safe uh, uh, measures were being put in place. The question came of whether it was safe and whether we could keep the, to, to, to let people to continue to use the state parks, whether we could keep the state parks open. And I still remember sitting on my back steps, like, you know, talking to the governor, I got a call from the governor about what are we gonna do? And he said, you know, he's an avid hiker. And yeah. he said, we've got to give people something that they can do. We're, you know, so many things are getting shut down. They have to have something that they can do. And so he was very strong about keeping the parks open. Other states like New Jersey, they shut down their state parks. And, you know, as it turns out, um, I think the, we've, we've seen the evidence that, you know, outdoor activities out in the woods, what, I mean, it, there's nothing that's totally risk-free, but on the spectrum, this is probably one of the safest things that you can do um, uh, yeah. during the pandemic. And it's great for your mental and your physical health, which is really, really important, right? For people mm -hmm. to pay attention to right now. And I have to say the people of Connecticut just um, took advantage of this and showed up in, at num in numbers that we could never have anticipated. This was our busiest year ever for Connecticut State Parks. Um, and our staff of essential workers really labored tirelessly to adapt our operations and stay open safely. We saw um, the use of our trails um, uh, have a 50% increase compared to 2019. I mean, and that wasn't just during the spring, like throughout, even until, um, you know, this fall, uh, we've still seen these record numbers. Boat sales were up 40%. Our fishing season, we opened early and license sales were up 13%. Hunting license sales up 9%. And, you know, like people don't, you know, sometimes they don't really think about Connecticut as an outdoor recreation state or destination. We have a state park within 15 minutes drive of every single family in the state. And it's that accessibility and the proximity of these beautiful places um, 
that I think everyone rediscovered um, this summer. And I was so proud that Deep could be a part of that. I'm so proud of our staff um, who made that possible. And, and I'm also proud of a, a program called Passport to Parks. Do you, have you heard of that yeah. program? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you have because you're a super fan of Eric Hammerling. Okay, absolutely. But for, for anyone who doesn't know Eric Hammerling and doesn't know uh, what Passport to Parks is, this is a program that came into place in 2017. And it basically with a modest charge on your vehicle registration each year, um, I, I, it's about $5. Um, that funding goes directly into supporting Connecticut's state parks. And it has enabled us to improve a lot of the services and then the amenities that we provide at our parks. It also means that Connecticut residents get to come to all of our parks for free with no parking fees. We used to have to have a charge parking fees um, at places like Hammonasset. We eliminated the parking fees for Connecticut residents and the Passport to Parks program has been absolutely essential to help us serve the public in this incredibly extraordinary year. And so I'm really just thrilled that, that uh, uh, you know, that we were able to, to provide these great outdoor recreation resources um, for people during this challenging time. And like you said, pe people live about 15 minutes from a state park where yes. I am on the shoreline. On one side of me, I have ham and acid. On the other side of me, I have Rocky Neck. Rocky Neck. You, so you're I, in a great spot. You're in a great I've spot. So both. one of the things that we did um, this summer that was kind of fun, you know, well, fun, I'll say. <laughs> fun, yeah, okay. Some of this was a slog, but we we stepped up. We did a lot of innovative things, you know, through this through this crisis. One thing we did was we created a website called What's Open Outdoors, um, where you can go to find real-time information about closures of parks, um, especially for the shoreline parks. So some of them were reaching capacity and closing oh, yeah. um, earlier. And so this was a great resource that we provided. And, you know, even with putting those lower capacity levels that so we've closed our parks more frequently, we mm -hmm. still served more visitors um, uh, this year than, than in prior years, even in Hammonasset, for example. Um, really? So that was really incredible to see. So. Uh, yeah, we're very fortunate um, in this state to have, you know, to have a strong conservation ethic that we've protected so many places. And now the the fun challenge is uh, with all these new visitors. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think these are going to be lifelong users of our parks. And so our challenge is to um, encourage people to think about discovering, you know, those hidden gems, um, those parks that may not, you know, be a little bit more the ones that may be a little more off the beaten path. And uh, that's the best way to kind of spread out and uh, keep your social distance, even when you're out on the trail is to find mm -hmm. one of these more remote locations. So you can go to the hashtag CT trails less travel. And yeah. that provides, um, you'll see on social media, a lot of folks have been tagging uh, some of their favorite out of the way locations. And it's been fun for me and my family to um, try out some new places that we haven't been to before um, during this time. Something, you know, a little little sunshine in the middle of- uh... Exactly. <laughs> Hanging out with Eric Hammerling and Pete Mazzetti on, at a park sometime next summer would be a good yes, time too. Absolutely, <laughs> it'd be great. We love to do programs out in the parks. You know, we did yoga. We live streamed um, yoga and Qigong and some other uh, uh, kind of meditative um, experiences out in some of the, the parks this summer. 
um, uh, I, I did that with uh, our uh, Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services uh, Commissioner. Um, it was so great uh, highlighting the benefits of getting outdoors for your mental health, which, you know, I think everyone, once you say it to people, they're like, of course, yeah, absolutely. That does make me feel better. But it was good to do a little reminder. And we streamed these uh, experiences so that people could, even if they couldn't leave home, um, that they right. could also get that experience. So that was a lot of fun too. I was going to say one of the one of the things that you mentioned before is on my bucket list of people I want to interview. That would be Governor Lamont. Oh yes. <laughs> I'm not. You should get have on the an show. Haven't interviewed him yet, but I'm so. One of these days, I'm hoping to. Pete, I'll put in a word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 what I see on the new on the news and everything, he seems like a really down to earth guy. You know, I I think that um, he has provided the kind of leadership that the state really needed during this time. And look, there's been some really tough calls that he's had. Oh, absolutely. To make, but but I think he's he is who he is. I mean, yeah. what you see on TV is what he's like when, you know, we're briefing him on different topics or what have you. He's just a very, very like down to earth person. And he really believes in trying to do the best for the, for the state. And um, it's been, again, a, just a privilege to get to serve, you know, serve in his administration. But when you get him on the, get him on the show and um, talk to him about hiking and state parks. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. He's a, he's a big outdoors guy. <laughs> now, as far as what's going on with the pandemic, how how does that basically figure out your day to day operations with the with the agency? Yeah, well, so we have nine hundred people working at Deep, give or take. Um, many of our staff work out in the field, you know, mm -hmm. serving at parks um, and maintaining our state forests and our wildlife programs. And um, so we, ha we have a lot of staff working out in the field. Um, right. We also have a lot of emergency responders in our, in our agency. You may not, um, folks may not be aware of that, but we uh, provide for safety around radioactive materials. We um, have a whole amazing men and women who provide emergency response for spills of chemicals and other environmental ha hazards. Um, it's incredible the, what our team does. I mean, it just, it's right. humbling. Um, we have the several hundred of our staff who are, um, whether they're working in our energy policy team or on our environmental uh, permitting and protection programs, um, we shifted over a weekend essentially to move um, hundreds of those staff to full-time telework. And oh, wow. so, uh, and that is, that was amazing. Um, now that you think about it, uh, our IT team did a great job of getting everybody set up with uh, computers and connectivity and folks were very creative about, you know, um, getting situated so they could continue the work of the agency. And so I've been teleworking full time myself. Right. I go into the office pretty infrequently. Um, <laughs> we've moved a lot of stuff online. So you just don't right. need to be there uh, as much. And uh, Zoom, you know, that's been the other amazing thing, Pete. You, I, I know this is well known to you, but as a public official, we've moved a lot of our public meetings and stakeholder uh, engagement to Zoom and online platforms. Right. 
And that has been remarkable. We have to work harder to make sure that it's accessible to everyone who doesn't necessarily have connectivity. But I think we've learned how to use online um, engagement in new ways. And, and I think there are some benefits to it that might last after this pandemic. You know, you can record a meeting and post the recording and folks can follow on at home without having to travel to Hartford. So we'll see how that lasts, but. And um, also let's see how the legislative session is going to look. There's that too. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because we don't know. We don't. We so um, actually we had um, in the special session in September. You know, Deep was very engaged um, in the agenda. There, there was a major bill on energy uh, and ratepayer relief, um, and also a revamp of our uh, the program that governs how we clean up contamination and contaminated sites around the state. And I thought the legislators did a really good job. Um, they hosted online. Uh, informational sessions, and we were able to submit the testimony online, and we saw unanimous support in both chambers for many of uh, these provisions that were desperately needed, you know, even in the midst of of a pandemic. So it was great to see how leaderships, you know, made that possible in the legislative session. But um, how that will work in a regular session, I think, I'm glad I'm not the one that has to figure all that out. I'll just put it Yeah, that me way. too. <laughs> me too. Me too. It's going to be very, very interesting. I believe it's the short session this year. Uh, this is the long session, the budget session. Oh, it is. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, but we, listen, this is the other ch- thing too, is in the midst of a pandemic, we have urgent issues that need to be addressed um, right. in terms of economic recovery, protecting public health. Um, addressing uh, racial justice, environmental justice, and climate change. And so those issues are really pressing and urgent, and those continue even in the midst of a pandemic. So we're looking forward to engaging with legislators on ways that we can make progress on things like climate change um, in the upcoming legislative session, virtual or in person or however it works. (laughs) <laughs> let's talk about climate change. We got a little bit more time left. Let's, let's talk about the climate change aspect. Great. Well, um, climate change, I think as folks are aware, it's, a, it's an urgent existential threat uh, that has to be tackled immediately. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we're seeing uh, more and more evidence that the, uh, that climate change is accelerating um, and we're seeing the impacts and the vulnerability um, of our state to those changes um, play out all around us. Um, and you know, people think about climate change and they think it's just sea level rise maybe or warmer um, summer mm-hmm. weather, but actually it's going to be those things. Um, plus uh, increased frequency of intense storms, which is a big challenge in terms of, um, you know, thinking about uh, electric reliability <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, more rainfall, intense rainfall occurring over a shorter period of time. So even uh, inland areas could be subject to flooding. Um, we see the impacts of climate change in, in, in invasive species that are impacting our forests. We're a heavily forested state. People don't often think about Connecticut that way. Uh, but a lot of our forests are, have been impacted by um, invasive species that are coming in and weakening the trees. So there's just a lot of, um, of different types of impacts we have to be prepared for. Last, <laughs> last year, Governor Lamont 
um, reconvened and, and kind of reformulated um, a governor's council on climate change to come up with the best uh, recommendations for strategies that we can uh, take up as a state, both to do our part to help reduce carbon emissions, um, okay. as well as to better protect um, our state and our infrastructure and our citizens from the impacts of climate change. And so that has that's another amazing example, Pete, of like while the pandemic has been going on, we would otherwise normally be having lots and lots of public meetings about this with the council. And all those meetings have been happening through Zoom. And so we've had seven different working groups, hundreds of volunteers and experts from all walks of life, from our universities, from our agencies, from nonprofits, NGOs, scientists, uh, citizens who've engaged to provide their recommendations. And now we're bringing up those recommendations to the governor early next year um, to identify things that we can do with early action um, in 2021 to advance um, protection uh, and, and for, from climate change. But um, there's a lot, there's a lot to do. And the governor has been a tremendous uh, leader on this. And I know he cares very deeply about um, addressing climate change in common sense ways that are good for, for our economy. Um, and we've got a lot of work to do, to be honest. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, if so. people want more, and we're about to run out of time, but before we yeah. do, if people want more information on DEP, where can they go? Well, you can always check out our website um, at ct.gov um, slash deep. And we've got a host of information. You can learn more about what we do at DEEP, how to enjoy um, our state parks, um, how to get involved in uh, things like the Governor's Council on Climate Change. Um, I, I encourage people to check it out. It's, uh, we, we are, you know, again, I think we've got the best mission of any agency and uh, we're, you know, I'm just pleased to be a part of it and um, pleased to have this opportunity to, to serve the public in, in so many ways. We're also on uh, social media. You can follow us at ct, uh, ct.deep on Instagram. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, and uh, we're in your community. So we really love hearing from folks about things that they're interested in and ways that we can um, help better serve uh, the citizens of the state and advance our mission. Cool. Commissioner Katie Dexter, thanks for some time and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Thank you, Pete. It's great to be with you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you tonight. Thank you, Commissioner. On behalf of Commissioner Katie Dykes, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks. Good night, and we'll see you next time.